All right. Well, hey, I want to share with you this morning some of the things that I've been processing in my own life in a, in a new way and um, things I've been reminded about. And so uh, uh, the question that comes to my mind is, um, are you risking your future? I want to talk about our future. We all got a past, <laughs> but we've all got a future that God wants to be involved in. In John 10.10, 10, the scripture says this. Thank you very much. The scripture says this. Uh, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So the enemy, our adversary, is uh, his purpose, his plan, his existence is to mess up your life. To steal and kill and destroy. But my purpose, Jesus said, about you and about me, is he wants to give us an experience that would be considered rich and satisfying. Doesn't that sound good? You read that and it's like, I don't meet Christian. No, I don't want a rich or satisfying life. Forget that, man. No, that sounds like, I'll take it. I'll take it. There's a lot of junk out there, but rich and satisfying sounds good. The question is, what does a rich and satisfying life look like? Because how many know you look around at a lot of people and you go, that doesn't look like rich or satisfying and sometimes you wake up in the morning and you don't feel like, I'm feeling mighty fine. What a satisfying life that I'm living. I mean, oh, sometimes you wake up in the morning, probably early getting here today, you looked in the mirror and the first thoughts that came to your mind weren't pleasant. You know, maybe you're one of those people you wake up and the first thought that comes in your mind, I am a mighty man or woman of God. Ooh, I'm looking good today. That's why some of y'all got to stick those things on your mirror to remind you of the truth, not what you see. We live by faith, amen. And so my idea, what I think the Bible teaches about living a rich and satisfying life, I believe it's a life filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. Filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. Before Jesus left, it was a big deal. The night before, I mean... Those chapters in John 14, 15, 16 are all talking about one topic, and it's about the Holy Spirit. And he was telling the disciples how important uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit that he was introducing to them to was. In fact, in John 16, 7, it says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So in other words, he was saying... This is going to be so awesome for you. It's better that you don't get to hang out with me like we have been the last three years. So when I leave, there is going to be an experience that you will have that is going to be better than having me with you. I don't know about you, but I don't even know when I read that if I believe that. Do you? I mean, you think about that? Come on. Really? Well, how many know if Jesus said something like that? He's probably right, and your thoughts might be wrong. Let's drop down to verse 13. It says this. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Where will he guide you? To all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. So Jesus paints this picture that the Holy Spirit has come to be our guide. In other words, how many know a guide is uh, typically leading you somewhere? 
And so the idea is the presence and power of the Holy Spirit would be involved in our life to be or serve as a guide, a leader. And it says, he will not, excuse me, he will guide you where? Into all truth. I want to talk for that moment. He's going to guide us into all truth. Sometimes when we think about all truth, we're thinking about our theological persuasion, the truth of God's word. Well, how many know if that's all the goal is, there's a lot of people still working on that, right? Or he's not as good as it because all these denominations, right? With all these different things. And some of them are kind of weird, right? And like, you know, they're obviously not being get led by the Holy Spirit. See, I, I don't know that it's so much uh, about the actual truth of what the Scripture means, although that's included. The Bible does say that the Holy Spirit would remind us of the things that Jesus said, right? But I believe that there's a part of this truth that he wants to lead in that has to do about leading you into the truth about who your identity is in, in Christ Jesus. I believe it has to do about the truth, about the story or the plan that God has for your life. There is a right plan. Did you know that there was a plan, the Bible says, all the way before the foundations of the world, there was a dream about you that God had? There was something that he saw. There was a picture and a plan that he had for your life. And he still does. A part of that, I believe, of that truth is helping to take you from where you are and to bring you into that place where you're beginning to experience more and more of the plan that God dreamed about you. 2 Timothy 1.9 says this, For God saved us and he called us to live a holy life. God saved us when we were living outside of his plan, right? Lost. And not only did he save us, but he called us to live a holy life. A holy life is a life that's not uh, religiously perfect, because well, how many know we're all in trouble? Uh, if, it, if that's it. He called us to live a life that was set apart to him and to something that he planned for us a long time ago. Listen, he called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time. He's thinking about you before he even got the world spinning. He didn't like, wait, you know, you're born, he's going, hmm, I don't know what I can do with them. And you got about 15, you're like, oh, we got some issues here. Yeah, let's go with plan B. You know, that's not how it works. It was a dream he had all along. And so as we come to Christ and he starts to renew our mind by the word of God, he's wanting us to gain a bigger, clearer picture of why we're taking up space on this planet. It's because deep planted within the inside of each and every one of us is a plan. And let me just tell you, if God dreamt it, it's a good one. So quit holding on to the lame life in Jesus Christ. Come on, it's something better than what you're probably thinking because God's more creative than you are. So this life of uh, being led by and being filled with the Holy Spirit, what does it look like? Well, Jesus was painting this picture again after his resurrection in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you shall receive... It's on the screen, y'all. Come on, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. Does that say that up there? Witnesses? To me in Jerusalem and all over the place. You shall receive power. 
The idea behind that word um, in the Greek or any other language you like to study it in, power means power. That means something that you didn't have before, and now because you have it, something has happened all up on the inside of you that causes other people who are witnessing you to see. That's different right there. That's different. And if you don't look different, something's wrong with you. I'm not necessarily talking about the look in the mirror because I may know, well, we're all working on that. Especially as you get older, things change. Man, anyway, no time for that (coughs) humor. Here we go. You shall receive power. What does that power look like? Let me just tell you something. I'm going to state the obvious. The Holy Spirit is not feeble. The Holy Spirit is not weak, right? And so it's not like sometimes we get this picture that the, the Holy Spirit, you know, is like an old man. He barely has enough energy to, but just to whisper to you, you know, turn right. Marry him. You know, we're seeking that voice and we, we listen to that still small voice as if he can barely get it out to us. Listen, the reason why the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to you in normal... Tony, it would, your head would blow up. Now, I'm just telling you, he's almighty. He's got to tone it down so that we have a chance to listen gently without dying. It's not in the Bible. It's just what I believe, all right? And so let me ask you a personal question. Let me get all up in your world for just a minute and ask you a personal quick question about your Christian life. Are you bored? Are you possibly bored with your faith? Are you living a passion-filled life? Are you a little bored with your faith? Find yourself seeking fulfillment in really other areas. You see, it's been said that uh, boredom is the root of all evil. Another friend of mine said this, if you're bored, you're boring. Just thought I'd throw that out there for somebody. So can we really live by faith and be bored. Let me tell you something. Of our Christian life, it is supposed to be many things, but one of them is not boring. Um, many of us find ourselves in circumstances that we're going through in our life, and I would call it circumstantial uncertainty, which is there's just so many things we don't know. And I don't know why it is that somehow you felt like if you were more spiritual in tune, you'd know uh, a lot more. I just want you to know, after years of doing this uh, and seeking the Lord, uh, I just have found that that's just not the case. God just seems to like us to operate on partial information. And uh, part of that was true. If he told us the big picture, we'd all take a shortcut to get there. Um, And so there's another word for uncertainty that uh, I think goes by another name, and it's called adventure. And a part of living a spirit-filled life and following the Holy Spirit is entering into a life of adventure, and the Holy Spirit is our guide of our faith-filled life of adventure. Do you remember when you were a kid? Do you remember the things that you thought you could be? Come on, I mean, there was no limitations. You know, whether you wanted to be a policeman, I'm going to be a policeman, or a doctor, or a president, or in charge, or a dump truck driver. I mean, you weren't going, um, I don't know if I have the gifts to do that. I don't know. No, there was something on the inside of you, a creativity that you could be anything. That's why Jesus talks about us needing to have childlike faith 
where all those limitations weren't in consideration. What happened to you? What happened to that childlike faith that says, I can do anything? We Christians try to convince ourselves of that against all the doubt that's filled up on the inside of us. What happened is we began to experience life and we began to experience words and doubts and uh, strife and things and it just kind of knocked the wind. It lowered our expectations where we don't always even think about the great things that we could do. I think God wants us to take those other voices and get them out because they're poisoning our future. And we need to get some other words back in, his words into our life that can redefine what our future uh, is going to be. Because if not, you become a Christian and you experience a life where you feel restrained, reserved, cooped up, even impounded sometimes, caged up, just not feeling like you're living the life that you've been called to. And here's the deal. I don't think it's that way. Jesus has called us to be both free and powerful. To him whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Was that just a nice scripture or was he trying to communicate to us? I'm setting you free not to exist. I'm setting you free to do something. We're not supposed to open up the cage and then just kind of peer out and then walk back in. Well, it's kind of comfortable in here. No, he set us free to do something. Come on. And too many of us are trapped. We're failing to pursue God passionately and go after that adventure that he has for us in building his kingdom, which we've been all called to. You see, many people are too afraid of making mistakes rather than failing to take opportunities. More afraid of um, lifelong regrets than temporary failure. And we need to be willing to, to step out. I think God's looking for people who are willing to dream the unthinkable and attempt the impossible. I think that's what God's into because if we can dream like that, think like that, and go after things like that, then he looks down and goes, well, man, I'm going to have to get involved in that because, you know, you need some help, right? That's the kind of help he likes to get involved in our lives. And I just want you to know there is nothing even remotely passive about being a part of the kingdom of God. Nothing at all. We're called to forcefully advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Faithfulness is not holding the fort. Come on. Faithfulness is storming the gates of hell. Did you hear that? Some of you are like me. Shake your head a little bit. Come on. I mean, we've got to do something here. There's a world that is in need of the dream that's locked up inside of you. So what are we doing What are we doing? What if we marginalized or brought church down to? Like, you know, I mean, you know, it's a big deal when people show up to church these days. Right? It's a big deal if people show up and, all right, I'll be a greeter. You know, in heaven they're like, ooh, all the angels are partying over, hey, we got another greeter! (laughs) No, leaders only do that. They're like, praise God, someone's going to be at the door. Is that what this thing's really all about? Come on, that's how we serve our church family. That's how we get going. Our identity is not as the usher. I love ushers, but that's not why we're on the planet. What are you called to? I'm called to usher. Look out, man. Here I come. 
Well, no, no, praise God, we are called to do things like that. But there's something bigger before the foundation of the world. Did not, not, he didn't dream about you. Go, oh, man, with my power and connected with their life, I could see them greeting. Oh, no, I could see you in nursery. Well, yes, we want to do that love on our kids, and that's a powerful thing to do. But there's more is what I'm contending with today. It's so much more. When did we get this false assumption up on the inside of us that God wanted us to live a life of safety and send us to do things that were easy? I think we can make this false assumption that we actually uh, think about the will of God, that the longer we follow Jesus, the easier it's supposed to get. You know, the more that, you know, the blessing of the Lord is on you, you know, and all that, that the easier it's going to be. Let me tell you something. That is not the truth. Spiritual growth and discipleship, you OSL graduates, spiritual growth and discipleship is supposed to prepare you for more difficult things to do, bigger challenges to take on, larger risks to step out into. Because another word for faith is risk. And without risk, it's impossible to please God. Listen, I think Paul was inviting us into something bigger than attending church. I think he was. Uh, When he said in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. I beg you to lead a life. I beg you, come on, lead a life. Lead a life. Lead a life that is worthy of the calling with which you have been called. It was a calling that happened before time began. It was a plan. And Paul's looking out and saying, man, these people need to have an awakening. But I beg you, the plan is so good. Don't stay where you're at. Step out. And follow me as I follow Christ. So what life are you living What life are you living? Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece, right? But he's created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So that we can do the things he planned for us when? Last week. No, he planned these for us long ago. Come on, old things have passed away. We got saved. We've been redeemed. Now he wants us to step up into something new. It's new for us. It's not new for God. It's new for us, and that's a reality that, man, he had a plan, and it's a good plan, and he's with me, and he's calling me to step out. He's calling me to be the person he's called me to be. The Holy Spirit is leading me into all truth about God's plan for my life. Come on, we've got to find this plan and our purpose and a passion for living. Are you with me here? Do you remember Braveheart? Come on. William Wallace. You know, every man dies, but not every man lives. That's a terrible accent part, but you get the point. Every man dies, not every man lives. Listen, the death rate, did you know this, is still currently hovering right at about 100%. It's true. Unfortunately, many believers die long before their Lord into the grave. In other words, there's a date that's etched onto a tombstone, but it's not the day they died to their purpose and calling in Christ Jesus. And that's sad. How many would agree that Jesus was probably the most passionate man that ever lived? You agree about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many though that shouldn't that then be as we're following Jesus that we should be some of the most passionate people on the earth? Yeah. 
So don't settle for a paycheck. Come on. Don't make a living. Let's make a life. Let's make a life and let's make a life that counts. Let's pursue and discover those God-given passions as we follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit that Jesus said would clothe us and endue us with. Yeah, not lameness. There's going to be a power. And some of you, I'm going to just talk to some of you, you really love Jesus, but, but you've been kind of stuck. Many times we're endeavoring to hear the voice of God. Got to hear God, hear God, right? Hear his word. Got to listen to his word. Well, that's true. But there are some of you that you, you need to stop praying. And you need to do something. Like he's already prompted you, but you're waiting for the doors to be wide opened, to get confirmations from 38 people. And, uh, and, and, and you don't want to do anything until the provision is all there. And you're looking for a safe passageway. I'm just telling you, it doesn't work like that. We walk by and not by. Get over yourself. Come on. we got to step out of this thing and go for it. If you're looking for a safe, secure, and paid-free journey, you're not going to find the will of God there. It's not going to happen. Remember, Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call to me. And I will answer you. Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't know. He didn't say, I'll show you the little lame things you might get to. Great and mighty, great and mighty. When God says great and mighty, I think he's referring to great and mighty. That would mean someone else would look at that and go, hey, that's great and mighty, right? So these things that he wants to do to cause us to be witnesses, he wants to, he wants to do something, And he's looking for some cooperative people. And so when he leads us by faith, we got to go for it. we got to add some verb to our lives. Praise God. Well, I just want you to know, if you're going to do this, if you're going to follow the Holy Spirit, it's going to lead you to some very interesting, uh, unexpected circumstances. How many believe that Paul, the apostle, uh, seemed to be led by the Holy Spirit? Okay, well, let's take a moment to see what that looks like. One of the stories here in Acts 27. And so uh, he's on his way, trying to make his way to Rome, right? And so uh, rather than walk all the way, which, you know, boat was a pretty good deal back then. And so at verse 4 it says, putting out to sea from there, we encountered strong headwinds that made it difficult to keep the ship on course. You ever feel like in life you got some strong winds coming your way that makes it difficult for you to stay on course? Yeah, me too. Verse 9, we had lost a lot of time. You ever feel like you're not where you ought to be? Like, you seem like you're way off mark. You look back and feel like, oh my God, I am so far behind where I should be. You ever feel that way? Yeah, so did he right then. Right then. It says the weather was becoming dangerous. Didn't say safe. The weather was becoming dangerous. God's called us to be dangerous, by the way. Bonus right there. Here we go. The weather is becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late. In the fall, verse 14, but the weather changed abruptly as Paul was in God's will following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And what happened? And the wind of a typhoon strength called a northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. I mean, that sounds like a peaceful, joyful ride (laughs) guarded and protected by the angels who have been given charge over you. I don't think Paul was going, praise the Lord, everybody. I think he was like you and me. I think he was... Freaking out! I thought I was supposed to get on this boat, but this is crazy! Questioning God at that moment if he was ever going to make it to Rome. And verse 15 says, the sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up. 
They gave up. You ever feel like you're, a lot of people are giving up these days? Sometimes we feel like the only ones that want to stay on the boat. And they gave up, verse 20, the terrible storm raged for an hour. For many days, for many days, for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. The storms of life sometimes bring us to a place where from what we can see, it feels like all hope is gone. The things that you had hoped for, dreamed for, maybe expected, man, the storms of life, circumstances happened that you weren't planning for. It seemed a lot longer than you'd ever planned on. And on the inside, you feel like all hope is gone. In Paul's life, in that moment, he had a little intervention, a little reminder. The Lord sent an angel, and the angel said, don't be afraid, Paul. Why do you think the angel had to tell him to not be afraid? Because he was freaking out like any of us would, and uh, he was thinking, I wonder if I'm going to die. Don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. How many know? At that moment, he goes, well, I have to survive to do that. <laughs> What's more, God is in his, in his goodness, his granted safety, everyone's sailing with you. Okay, so all of a sudden, Paul's got different information than everybody else does. He's reminded of some things, and now he starts preaching salvation and faith right on there. He says, so take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said. For those of you here today that you might be feeling a little low on the hope scale, I got a message for you. Take courage. Take courage. For I believe in God, and I'm telling you today, it will be just as he said it would be. Your ship might look like it's going to wreck. In fact, it might wreck. It might be looking bad, but I got good news for you. It's going to be just as he said it would be. Don't anchor yourself to your experiences. Anchor yourself to God's word. Don't anchor yourself to what you see and what you feel. Anchor yourself to God's truth and God's word, and you can say amen to that. And by the way, how's that for following the Holy Spirit? What a testimony. Yes, and I felt the Holy Spirit leading me, and we had a shipwreck, and it was horrible. We starved, and the whole ship busted apart, and we ended up on an island. You know, the story picks up. It gets so much better in Acts 28.3. Paul's just trying to help all the brothers out, and he's going to start a fire. And here he is being led by the Holy Spirit, and Paul gathered an armful of sticks and uh, was laying them on the fire, and uh, a poisonous snake. I think that's good for us, because otherwise we'd wonder how bad it was. A poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. I mean, you know, that, that's like, that sounds like a really bad day. You get shipwrecked, you know, and then all of a sudden you just try to start a fire, and you know, when's the last time you had a snake jump out and bite you on the hand? I mean, for us, that's like, we'd go on the news like that for that kind of stuff. And so, and then all the people, what are they doing? They're all going, oh, he was a murderer. <laughs> Didn't take him out with that boat wreck, but that snake got him, you know? It's like that. And, and Paul's like, the Lord said, it's going to be just like he said. Ain't no little snake and a little poison going to stop me fulfilling my mission. I'm going to Rome. I'm going to Rome. Well, what happened after that? Once he shook the snake off and he didn't die, what? Everyone freaked, right? They're like... Well, he must be God, you know? It's crazy how people are. 
And, and then heck, verse 8, it says, and it happened, uh, pubula, I ever read this guy's name, I have this, you know, words come to your mind, you know, and, and puberty's father, what, no, pubula, uh, uh, the dad was ill with fever and dysentery, and Paul went in, and he prayed for him, laying hands on him, and he healed him, and then all these people from around the island came, the Bible says, and, and he, and he, and he healed them, and they were all so excited that they all gave them all of their supplies for the journey. Now, how many of you think there could have been an easier plan to get all those supplies? Well, what I want you to see is in the midst of this adventurous, crazy, unexpected journey through a shipwreck onto an island like that was a whole island of people came to Jesus. This guy that was the governor got healed. His, uh, his family got, I mean, Jesus was lifted up. And so sometimes in your life, you have no idea the reason why you're going through what you're going through is because there are people on the other side of your circumstances that Jesus died for, and he wants them to come to know him. And it is through your adversity that others will have the opportunity to share the love that we have in Christ Jesus. Is that good? You're right, it is. Praise God, I'm preaching to myself too. So following the Holy Spirit, responding, taking risks, all this stuff, it can be dangerous. It can seemingly take you off course, but will lead you right into opportunities that you could not have planned on on your own, and if God told you advance, you would have ran. Because I don't know about you, I try to avoid adversity at all costs. I see certain people, and they look like adversity coming. It's like, um, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. So if Jesus called you to follow him, he did not invite you to live a religious, boring life. He's called you to live a life of purpose. Last scripture here, Luke 9, 59. This is a guy that Jesus called to follow him, gave him a great opportunity. He said to him, follow me. But the guy replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said, with loving and compassion in his eyes, he said, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. I mean, oh, it sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? Like, well, if his dad died, couldn't he just go take care of that real quick? I mean, you know, funeral, celebrate family. Here's the deal. What they mean by is this dad was probably in that later season of life, and so uh, he wanted to go and take care of his family. He was trying to be responsible. But sometimes when we're trying to be responsible, we're irresponsible with the calling that we have on our life. And see, when you read something like that and it doesn't seem right, it's, how many of our thoughts contradict Jesus' thoughts? We're wrong. And so what he was telling them, no, 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 don't worry about that. You follow me. Come on, let's preach the kingdom of God. Jesus is calling us many times to be irresponsibly responsible with the calling that he's given us. And we like to turn things, our responsibilities, into excuses about why we can't. Well, I would if I could, right? But it's just not a good time. It's not the season, right? Oh, we've been really busy. Oh, we're struggling financially right now, so, you know, if things change, then it'll be a more opportune time. The only thing that does things on a more opportune time is Satan. Listen, that's in the Bible. The time that we're supposed to do things is when the Holy Spirit's prompting us, and he's usually using other people. Let's do this thing. You may be called to take a course of action. I just want you to know, it won't be easy. You're not just going to wake up one day and go, I feel it. I feel it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Glory to God. 
Everything's good in the bank account. My spouse is loving today. Let's follow God's will. No, the bank account won't look right. Your spouse will be nasty that day. It's going to be difficult and no one's going to agree with you most likely. But we do it because Jesus is leading us to do it. Come on, let's forsake a life of religion and let's live the abundant, fulfilling, satisfying life that God has for us. Let's fully surrender our lives to Jesus, to his plan, not our plan. You ready to give up on your plan and to serve his plan? I know you're nodding your head saying amen now, but you got to leave after this. <laughs> and that's why I want to pray for you. Can we stand up together? Thank you, Lord. won't do our part. The consequences are staggering. Because on the other side of our decisions are people. Families. Children. And God is hoping that we will believe Him and His plan and step in and do our part by faith because taking those steps of faith is going to unlock opportunities for people who today are lost and are far from God. People that they may know God, but they're far from the dreams and plan and God is hoping to unlock His kingdom through the choices that you'll make in partnership with Him. But if we refuse to do it, if we get locked up in fear, if we're so worried about our circumstances... The consequences of that are staggering. But the potential of our choices to do what God has for us are are beyond amazing. Get on the boat. Take it. It might look a little rough, but go for it because the Lord's with you and He'll never lead you. You might end up treading water for a little bit, but you're not going to drown. Come on, let's take some risks together. There is a world that needs us. We're leaning into the end of the end. I don't know about you. I want to high five for all eternity, not look at each other and go, well, probably could have done better, huh? I don't want to have that regret. I want to say, hey, man, if I screw up, I'd rather screw up and have Jesus save me rather than to not do anything. I've never said this to people, but it's time to be a little more irresponsible. In Jesus' name. I want to pray for two people, two people in two different places. One, for those of you that have felt hopeless in life and you just have been hammered. Jesus wants you free today. I want to pray for some of you that you've been locked up, you've been listening for too long, and you've been afraid to step out. Today, the Holy Spirit is making it clear, now is the time, now is the time. Step out of the boat and walk by faith. I am with you until the very end of the age. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're moving in this place. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to fill us. We welcome you. Just tell them to, Holy Spirit, fill me today afresh. Fill me. Fill me. Restore my passion. Restore the dreams. Restore my expectations.
Tell him, I choose to believe God's word above my circumstances. Lord, I believe your word. It will be done exactly like you said it would be. I choose to believe it against what I see. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Restore hope. Restore dreams. God, I pray there would be a stirring of the spirit up on the inside of us. That we may not see the end, but we can see the next step. Lord, there's some of us, man, we've got, there are some big things that we see. There are people, the needs that we feel like we want to meet, we just haven't done it. There are roles in our community that we see ourselves playing, but we haven't stepped out. We've looked at our finances and felt there's no way we can. But the Lord's saying to you, you go and I'll supply. You go and I'll provide. You go and I'll protect. You go and I'll take care of those things. You don't have to worry about them. I take care, I'll take care of everything. So Lord, we surrender ourselves to you.